It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into Hitting Hard with John Chuck right here on Locked On Sports Atlanta. Today on the show, PFF's top 32 interior defensive lineman has an interesting twist, a surprising move by the Braves, and is there a target on his back? It's all next. It's Hitting Hard with John Chuckery, Locked on Sports Atlanta. This is Hitting Hard with John Chuckery, part of Locked on Sports Atlanta. And it starts now. Hitting Hard is part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We ask you to subscribe or follow for free on YouTube or wherever you listen to your podcast. You can get the latest episodes of Hitting Hard as soon as they become available. Also, check us out on the SiriusXM app and also follow me on my personal Twitter page at JMCH316. So an interesting twist. I was looking at Pro Football Focus is going through and ranking the different positional groups. They're taking the top 30 top 32 players ahead of the 2023 season and looking at their quarterbacks, running backs, wide receivers, right? All this kind of stuff. Well, the latest one that they had was interior defensive line. And if I told you that among Falcons players, Grady Jarrett, believe it or not, only finished third on his team, would you have bought that? Now, here's what the list is. So again, obviously, Aaron Donald won, Chris Jones too. No real, no real issues there. Dexter Lawrence and all that kind of stuff. All right. So coming in at number 17, and this is a bit of a surprise. And maybe this is based upon not just what have you done for me lately, but the totality of his 15-year career. But at 17 is Calais Campbell. Quote, at 36 years old, Campbell isn't the same player he was at the height of his career, but He did enough over the past three seasons with the Baltimore Ravens that expecting him to not be a top 20 player at the position this year is doing him a disservice. In his 15th season in the league, he produced a 70.0 plus PFF grade both against the run and as a pass rusher. Okay, I mean, look, again, a lot of this is, you know, what he's done for the entirety of his career, right? And he's probably a borderline Hall of Fame caliber player, right? He's been an outstanding defensive player, right? He's been in the league forever and a day, and he's going to be a huge benefit. And D-Lit and I kind of went back and forth about this last time on my radio show. I don't know that he's going to play 60% of the snaps. He thinks he's going to play more than 60% or right about that number percent of the snaps. Okay, we can agree to disagree on all that kind of stuff. All right, so all right, maybe, maybe that's to be expected. Then you get down unto number 21 on this list, and it's David Onyemata. Hmm. So, quote, after signing an impressive three-year, $35 million deal with the Atlanta Falcons this offseason, Onyemata will need to get back to his 2020-2021 form for that contract to make sense. His 53.0 PFF run defense grade last season was the lowest of his career, though he still has been effective as a pass rusher, producing 116 pressures from 1,097 pass rushing snaps over the past seasons. All right, look, Onyemata's a pretty good player. Where's the guy that I'm missing in all of this? And so coming in at number 23 
Grady Jarrett. Quote, it's been three seasons since we saw Jarrett really dominate for a stretch. And with this being his, or with his being 30 years old now, it's fair to wonder if his best days are behind him. He was still good enough to make this list based upon his play last year, though, registering seven sacks, 10 hits, and 28 hurries from 487 pass rushing snaps. Now, that's a bit of a surprise. You know, it wasn't a few years ago. What? I mean, you know, what? Maybe like the year pre-pandemic or somewhere around in that realm that Grady Jarrett was looked at as a top five interior defensive lineman. Do I think that all of his best years are ahead of him? No, of course not. He's going to be 30 years old. But that doesn't mean he's washed up. And it is surprising to see him be third among the Falcons. Now, there's two ways you can look at that, right? That, okay, maybe Calais Campbell and David Onyemata are going to be so good that they're going to overshadow Grady Jarrett. That would be the positive way. The realistic way would be like, okay, what has Grady done to slip? Look, Grady had, and at least for the first half of the year, Grady Jarrett was off to one of his best seasons as an Atlanta Falcon in the first half of the season. You know, he was about to put up some of his best numbers for his career. And look, seven sacks, that's more than Calais Campbell, and that's more than David Onyemata. It's more than either one of those guys put up. And I know it's not all about the raw numbers and things like that, but when I'm looking for sacks and I'm desperate for sacks, Grady was the leader of those three guys. So it is kind of surprising a little bit that, okay, Grady's only, first off, the fact that Grady's only 23rd on this list of interior defensive linemen, when for years we've gotten used to saying, okay, he's one of the top. Look, he's not Aaron Donald. Nobody's Aaron Donald, right? Nobody's Aaron Donald. And I'll give you that he's not right now Chris Jones or uh, Dexter Lawrence, probably not even Cam Hayward, DeForest Buckner. I'll give you that. I'll give you, and Jonathan Allen, another one. But, wow, 23rd on this list, and he's only the third Falcon on the list? Now, it's good that we have three players who qualify in the top 32 because we haven't had very many times where maybe never. You might have to go back to the bomb squad in 98 that we would have three guys who were capable of being top 30 players at their position, right? But it hasn't happened very often. And when you think about interior defensive line, and look, Campbell's going to be hybrid, right? Versatility, right? That's the big buzzword in Flowery Branch, versatility. That he's going to be a versatile guy. And he play inside, he play outside, blah, 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 right? Caden Ellis will be on the edge, and he'll be in the linebacker spot and inside. And, okay, I mean, all of these guys, all they preach is their versatility on offense, defense, whatever, okay? So we know that that's Arthur Smith's M.O. But it is just kind of surprising to see. Again, I don't know what to make of it. I thought Grady had a really good year last year, given the fact that, you know, Taquan Graham made some strides. He progressed, but he had the injury issues, and we didn't really have a lot around him. The Abdullah Andersons and guys like that of the world, like those guys were okay for what they were as rotational pieces, 
but certainly we don't have the two, you know, behemoths right in the middle that just blow up every play, right? We're good, but we're not great by any stretch of the imagination on our offensive line or defensive line, I should say, and especially on the interior side. So one, it's surprising to see Grady that low on any list when it comes to interior defensive linemen, and maybe his best days you know, are behind him, but I would still like to think that he's got some productive years left, and if Campbell and Onyemata can be players in this thing, that rotation of those guys wreaking havoc on quarterbacks and then everything else where we get pressure, okay, I can buy into that. And maybe Grady Jarrett feeding off of the energy that those two guys bring, <coughs> excuse me, and the ability that those two guys bring, maybe he'll feed off that. And maybe he'll have that big bounce back season that, again, according to Pro Football Focus, maybe they didn't they didn't see it from Grady last year. I'll take seven sacks all day long out of Grady. So surprising that Grady's that low, surprising that he's only the third Falcon, but it is good news to say that Onyamata Campbell may be real players. And the fact that if they're if those two guys are better than what we're getting out of Grady Jarrett, that's all good news as far as sacking the quarterback. All good news as far as blowing up plays in the backfield. All right, this episode is brought to you by FanDuel. FanDuel is America's number one sports book. And now as we're into the NBA playoffs, headed to the NBA finals, coming up on Thursday, FanDuel has got you covered. New customers can go to FanDuel.com and sign up and get your no-sweat first bet where you can get, ready for this, as much as $2,500. I said that right, $2,500 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Now, FanDuel is safe, secure, and super easy to use. No easier way to go and do online betting than with FanDuel. So head to FanDuel.com slash locked on. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, and get started and claim your no-sweat first bet where if your first bet doesn't win, you could be eligible to get as much as $2,500 in bonus bets. Yes, I said that right. $2,500 in bonus bets. FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel, the official, official sports betting partner of the NBA. So in a surprising move, the Atlanta Braves, who are calling up everybody, it seems like here lately, they called up one of their top prospects in A.J. Smith Shaver. Now, he's been bouncing around in the minors. He was only drafted last year, well, I should say two years ago, in 2021. And he's pitched in Rome, and he's pitched in now AAA, and he got the immediate call-up. So it is kind of crazy to think that, okay, and, and he's been the Braves' number three rated prospect in their system coming into the season and he's he was starting in he started in low class A. He's moved his way up through the ranks, like I said, Rome, and then you know into Gwinnett. So it is kind of surprising. Now we know that his role looks like it's going to be out of the bullpen, as the Braves currently try to avoid getting swept in Oakland. How embarrassing would that be? We'll talk about that if that happens. I mean, but but again, here's one of their top prospects, and I'll I'll say this about the Braves. Alex Anthopoulos and the entire organization, scouting department and everything else along with it. If they think you're ready, they won't hesitate to pull up. And here's what I love more than anything about Harris, Strider, 
an AJ Smith uh, Sharver. Here is what they're not doing anymore. We're not worried about manipulating service time, arbitration years, and all that other falderall. And again, you can every single one of you can miss me with that idea of you know, well, we got to have more controllable years. If these guys break through, just like Ronnie, just like Ozzy, you know why we didn't have to worry about controllable years? Because those guys were studs, and they came up to the big leagues and got their big contract extension. And you know what? Mike Trout did it, and everybody else that's really worth their salt. If you're that good of a player, you're going to get your contract extension. Spencer Strider got his contract extension. You don't have to wait five years to decide about whether or not these guys can perform or not. So when their scouting department, the, the scouting department of the Braves and their player evaluation, and, and again, everything in line, they'll pull that trigger and they won't worry about arbitration years, service time, and all that other Michigas that gets thrown around out there. Oh, well, we've got to have his controllable years. Why? If you're a good player, you're going to get extended. You won't have to worry about all those years. You won't have to worry about any of that nonsense. You're good. Come up. Be a star. We'll get you locked up. We'll give you We'll give you a lot of money for it. Oh, but, but arbitration, arbitration years. <sighs> so he's going to come out of the bullpen, most likely. And look, we'll see if he lasts or not. You know, Schuster's on the mound today. You know, these guys are developing at such a fast rate. You know, we talked about this a week or two ago. That 2020 draft class, if Schuster gets it figured out, is going to be one of the great draft classes in Braves history. Elder, Strider, Schuster. Like, that could be one of the trifectas for the Atlanta Braves long term. I mean, again, this kid was drafted in 2021. But again, we talk about this. It speaks to the development, the confidence, and everything else. Michael Harris came up and didn't miss a beat. Spencer Strider came up and didn't really miss a beat. Started the bullpen and got the starting ball, and now he's the most dominant starter in the National League. Bryce Elder has been fantastic. Another great game last night. Didn't work out for the Braves offense, but he was outstanding. What, seven innings in a run? He's been arguably, you know, Next to Strider, I mean, he's been kind of the one of the more under, you know, appreciated stories for the Atlanta Braves and, and what they've done in the National League. So I love the fact that they're going to, if they have that, if they pinpoint you and say you're ready, they won't hesitate. They don't worry about whether or not what you're how long you've been in the minors, how much experience you have, or arbitration service time. What a stupid thing to worry about. If you're a great player, you'll get your contract. You don't nickel and dime your premier players. You sign them up. If they can stick, you give them a long-term deal. If not, then you bounce them around a little bit and see what you can do with them. I love this. I love this about the Braves now. We're not worried about a lot of these other things that are sidetracked. We're in World Series now mode. And we're going to take, if we got to bring up Strider, we got to bring up Harris, we got to bring up A.J. Smith Solver, we're going to do it. Damn the torpedoes, right? We're going to full steam ahead. 
no matter what your service time is or no matter how long you've been in the minors, if you can play, we're going to bring you up and we're going to throw you into the fire because we're a World Series caliber team and we're going to make it happen. I love these guys. I'm getting fired up. Uh, the more I think about this, the more fired up I am about it. I'm excited because we're not worried about arbitrary. Remember that? That was Austin Riley, Ronald Acuna. Oh, oh, you know, we, we got to leave Acuna down there because, you know, we can't bring him up to the first of May because of his arbitration years. And then we got to have controllable years. Well, you see how that worked out. Oh, well, Mike Trout needs controllable years. Yeah. When they gave him $300 million and an extension and said, here you go, Mike, you're the best player in baseball. We don't need to, we don't need to wait five years to figure it out. Here's a whole pile of money back the Brinks truck up and dump it in your driveway. I love this about the Braves. You got a team and you got a player that's developing and they're in the minors and they trust their scouting and development. They trust their scouting and development. How good is that? How good is it to know that we can trust our scouting team? We can trust our player development because we see example after example. The Michael Harris has been Yeah, there are blips and bloops along the way. Yeah, again, not everybody has come up and been, you know, Pache and Waters and all that, right? Oh, my God, we can't call those guys up. We got to get service time out of them, right? Some guys will never make it. But if you're confident enough in what you do and what the Braves are doing right now is they're showing you the confidence that, hey, this kid's only 20 years old, but we think he's ready to come up and contribute to the club. What's the point of leaving him down in Gwinnett to get more seasoning? or service time, if he's ready to come up and contribute, let's bring him up. Because guess what? The only thing that matters, I don't care what the Gwinnett Braves record is. I don't care if the Gwinnett Braves win three straight minor league championships, whatever their league is or whatever championships. I don't care about that. What I care about is what can you do at the big club? What about happens at the big club? You know, the one that plays over at Truist Park and they're in the battery right? And 35, 40,000 people a night go there and watch them. That's what I care about. Not how good is Gwinnett? Boy, boy, I hope Rome is good this year. No, they've got these kids they're calling up and they're contributing and it's exciting to see. And I love the fact that with our veteran leadership and with the guys we have, you have a very nice mix and balance of some veteran guys and some obviously really young guys. And so far, so good for the Braves. If we can stay ahead, win the division, win World Series, call up all the 20-year-olds you want, man. Let's do it. But I love this move for the Atlanta Braves, and I'm excited to see once he gets in and see him what he can do as far as pitching goes. All right, as you listen to Hitting Hard with John Chuckery, make sure you go in and leave us a comment on whatever platform that you are listening on and let us know that you're an everyday listener. So, we call them our everydayers. We thank you so much for being a part of our community as you join us here weekly with Hitting Hard, five days a week. Check us out uh, as always. Let us know that you're an everyday listener. So does he have a target on his back? So I had D. Orlando Ledbetter on the show last night and we on my radio show, and we were talking about the idea of, you know, what uh, um, you know what this team needs and stuff like that, and he's talking about the second-round picks. and. You know, I had this quote to D-Led. I said, look, I I've said repeatedly that I think Arnold Ibikati has got to step up this year and maybe even more than Desmond Ritter in some ways. 
he's got to step up and at least solidify one side of that defensive line. And D-Led responded, quote, you need somebody to turn into a stud. You have to find football players. If you don't, you have to develop them. And obviously, we've discussed specifically about the second-round picks that we have had, right? You know, some have been good. Some have been dreadful. You know, there it's been a real mixed bag as far as second-round talent goes. But, you know, we have a couple of guys. You look at Richie Grant and obviously Ebba Cady. And look, I'm not saying that Ebba Cady needs to be whatever. I, what Lawrence Taylor, you know? I'm not saying he's got to be that level, but I've got to be able to rely on a guy, (coughs) one guy, (coughs) excuse me, that can get eight or 10 sacks for this team. I've got to be able to not try to figure out, okay, well, I can squeeze five here and three here and five here and six here and two here and one here and four there, this, that, bop, 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 bop. I got to have one of these guys step up and break out. I got to have a Vic Beasley season. Again, Vic Beasley may not have been a great long-term fit, but when he was at his peak, we were a Super Bowl team. When Matt was the MVP and Beasley led the league in sacks, ain't no coincidence that we were in the Super Bowl. Ain't no coincidence that's where we ended up. When your quarterback's the MVP of the league and you lead the, have the leading sack guy in the NFL, guess what? You're going to play in some of the latest games that go into the football season. Super Bowl, conference championships. You're going to play in those kinds of games and in those environments. So, again, I've talked about this many times on the podcast. Eba Cady's the guy that's got to step up. You've got to have somebody break through. And does he have a, you know, D-Led talked about the idea of, does he have a target on his back? D-Led said he's got a target on his back. Because, again, we have to get some of these guys to start stepping up and our young guys develop. You know, I like Kyle Pitts and all that kind of stuff, but 1,026 yards and two touchdowns isn't impressing me. You know, it's not not getting me all super excited. You know what will get me super excited? 100 catches, 1,400 yards, and a dozen touchdowns. You know what will get me excited about Ebicady? Eight to ten sacks. And, and hopefully more toward the double-digit side. But it can't be two, three, four. Well, well, then I'll get three from this guy, four from this guy, two from this guy. No, we got to have guys break out. Has to be that pushing of pushing through that dam and just bursting this thing wide open and letting the flood happen. We're going to flood the valley with it, man. We're going to push down that dam and flood the valley. And everything else, hey, man, sorry. You got caught in a tidal wave, man. And that's what I need from some of these guys. I need some of these guys. That's, you know, when when I talk about these guys, you know, I talk about, you know, the, the Drake Londons and the Kyle Pitts and everything like that. It's not that I don't think that they're good players. But we don't impact the game enough. And we don't have enough of our young guys that impact the game. How many wins above replacement is Micah Parsons worth to the Dallas Cowboys? I've said this a million times, right? I've said it on the podcast here. Said it. Micah Parsons is so freaking good that the NFL seriously considered giving Dan Quinn another head coaching job. 
That's how good that guy is. There were teams that looked at Dan Quinn and said, huh, well, maybe he can be our next head coach. You know, he did take the Falcons to a Super Bowl, and, man, he's got Parsons and those guys, and that defense is really good. That's how good Michael Parsons is. And so, look, I hope Eva Katie is that breakout player, even more than Desmond Ritter, because I do think, look, I think Desmond Ritter doesn't have to be an MVP or A.A. Ron or somebody like that. I think Desmond Ritter has to be a guy that controls the game, makes smart decisions, and is great in the red zone. And if he can be those three things, and I can get 10 sacks out of Arnold Ebicati, now we're cooking. Now we're cooking with grease. Now we're, now we're going at it. Now it's just full steam ahead. Let's go. Let's get this thing cranked up and going. So, you know, again, D-Led talked about it last night on my radio show. At some point, we've got to have some of these guys develop. We have to have some of these guys, as the door said, break on through to the other side. And that starts with Eva Katie. Does he have a target on his back like D-Led said? Probably. Because I need some of my young guys to be true difference makers on this team. And if we can get some of those guys to break on through to the other side, now we got something going. Now we're ready for the big time. Now we can talk playoffs and things like that and start advancing in all of it. So hopefully Ebicady is that guy. But if not, you know, if something happens, we'll start looking back at some of these second-round picks and saying, man, a lot of those picks haven't been all that solid, have they? Hopefully that's not the case. Hopefully Ebicady can just full steam ahead and let's break on through to the other side like the door said. All right, well, thank you so much for making Hit and Hard with John Chuck where you first listen. Be sure you go into whatever podcast platform that you're listening on and let us know that you're an everyday listener to the program. So we love to hear from our folks. We want to know that you're an everydayer, as we like to call them, listening in five days a week. We certainly thank you for being a part of our ever-growing community. You can follow us for free on YouTube or ever listen to your podcast. Get the latest episodes of Hit and Hard as soon as they become available. Also, check us out on the SiriusXM app and give me a follow on my personal Twitter page, at JMCH316. Back with you tomorrow. This has been Hitting Hard with John Chuckery, Locked on Sports Atlanta. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. 